Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Aleph in Maseches Nedarim. Happy uh, Rosh Chodesh and Black Friday. The Mishnah says at the very top of Lamed Aleph, Amad Aleph, Hanoider Meshovsei Shabbos. Somebody says, and again, this was part of the culture of those days, that they would, when they got sick of somebody or whatever, they would say, I'm not going to have any enough from them. They'd make another. This is a wild thing to do. I don't think this is from the good in the Dharm. Um, it's, it's not so beneficial, you know, if you don't want to have enough from somebody, you don't have enough. Why do you have to make this nether? Anyways, so you say, I'm not going to have any, I right, swear off any benefit from those who rest, who are basically, or Shomer Shabbos. So, also be Yisrael, also be Kusim. So this is a statement of really what the status of the Kusim were, as you know. They were the disingenuous converts, right? Gire Arias. They were with an Aleph. They were disingenuous converts because basically in those days they thought it was better to be a Jew. Sometimes, not really often, sometimes it's an advantage to be a Jew. Uh, usually historically it was a disadvantage, but one t- at certain points in history it was an advantage to be a Jew. And it was for that reason that people converted and a whole group of people called the Kusim converted for that reason. Now, in their conversion, so there's certain things that they did and certain things that they didn't do. When you're not really full of sincere and you're not all in, Right, we had Yonah Reese speak at Shomri the other week. He's part of the uh, RCA, Besden. So they, he, he found it very inspiring. He, he came in just for the monetary stuff. But then he realized what's going on with getting around the world, what's going on with conversions around the world. And with conversions, he didn't really want to deal with it. But then he realized it's a lot of inspiring things going on. But they have a whole curriculum. They have a whole syllabus, Andrew. So he, they, you have to be all in to be a convert. This, these people are kind of like half sending it. So Shabbos they kept though, right? That much they did. So if you said, I don't want to deal with anyone who's a Shomer Shabbos, that would include the Kusim, because technically they were Jewish, which is itself a sugya, uh, but they didn't do everything as we'll see. But Shabbos they did, okay. Those who eat garlic, what is that supposed to be? It means those who habitually uh, eat garlic on Friday nights, which was something that um, the Jews culturally, historically did. It had a halachic significance that they thought had to do with um, with being intimate with their wives on Friday night and, and being very um, uh, virile, right? Whatever it is. The point is, Friday night, garlic was a thing. So that was a thing that Kusim and Israel did. And thus says the Mishnah, Osir Bisrael v'Osir Kusim. Okay. But if you saw off Me'oli Yerushalayim, if you saw off people who would make Aliyah Yerushalayim three times a year, Asr Yisrael, Umutur Bekusim. So now we've discovered something that the Kusim did not do, right? The Israelim, the, uh, the Jews did, of course, that was a mitzvah. But for whatever reason, the Kusim didn't take that, that mitzvah seriously. And so that is, if you're saying those are Olei Regel, so to speak, so then you're not going to be swearing off Kusim. Now the Gemara wants to say, my shov say Shabbos. Why are you using the words those who rest on Shabbos? Right, I said Shomer Shabbos, but really, there's the ned there, you have to look at the words very carefully. It's shov say Shabbos, those who rest. So you lame Shabbos. If you said, well, Shomer Shabbos, or keep the halachas, as it were, of Shabbos, so my iray bekusim. So why just kusim? This is a fascinating idea. The Gemara says, "Afilu nami." That what? That even Gentiles sometimes can keep Shabbos. How so? Well, they rest on Shabbos. Okay. So if they rest on Shabbos, 
they too might be included in the statement. Okay. Yeah, okay. We're not talking about anybody who's just um, takes off Saturday and rests, right? Makes it a day of rest and maybe even uh, decides to uh, get off electronics. We don't mean anybody who would be Shomer Shabbos in the sense that they're not doing any malacha, even though they're not mitzvah. No. To do Shemir Shabbos, right? We really mean mitzvah malacha Shabbos. That's to be somebody who is commanded to do so. Okay. So he hachi, eima seifa, mi oli yushalayim, asr bishal mutzvakutim. Amai, v'amitzuvim ninu. Right? But the point is like this. If the concept of Shofsei Shabbos was referring to people who were commanded, right? Uh, and and then, then over there, so, so would you say the same thing about Ole Yishalayim? Because after all, the Kusim were also commanded. Right? The Kusim, to the extent that they were Jews, which they were after conversion, they were commanded to do Aliyah al Regel just like anybody else, just like any of the other Jews. And yet, the Mishnah says that if you say Ole Yishalayim, you're not referring to who was commanded as in the Shofsei Shabbos case, you're referring to who actually did it. And so, which is it? Are we talking about what you were commanded to do, or are we talking about what you actually practically did? Right? So that's what the mission is saying. What about this second part of the Ole Yishalayim, where it says, Asr Bishol Mutarikusim Amai? Why would we say that it's Mutarikusim Ninu? After all, the Kusim, in fact, were commanded to do Ali Al Regal. So if we're talking about who was commanded, as we are in the first part of the Mishnah, why are we excluding them in the second? So Amar Baye. No, you have to do both. You have to be both commanded and do it. So with regards to Shabbos, the Jews are Mitzvah and they keep the Shabbos. And they're Mitzvah and they keep Aliyah Laregel. The Kusim are only Mitzvah, but they do not keep the Aliyah Laregel. The Gaim sometimes could keep Shabbos, but they're not Mitzvah. And therefore, Mitzvah ve'oisa is what you're referring to, right? Betarti bave kamaisa. So therefore, the first Mishnah's first two cases... Uh, Right, Israel v'kusim mitzuvim v'osim. Right, so Israel and kusim they are both commanded and keep the Shabbos. And Right, they are if they those who do it. The seventh day Adventist or whatever um, I had in residency. Uncle Saul was here for for the party last night. It was a, it's, been, it's been a good time over here at the Levis. And so um, in residency. Uh, I, he, him and Ron Burakov, he should uh, he should be well. They were um, in charge, and I, in the dental residency there was a Shabbos call. I couldn't, I didn't want to take Shabbos call, so he said divided among the other residents. So there was this guy Franz, and I, and so he was the last guy I thought that would mind Shabbos call, but he was a Seventh Day Adventist, Andrew. So he kept Shabbos, but he wasn't mitzvah to keep Shabbos. Anyway, Franz, shout out. Right, they could keep the Shabbos, but they're not mitzvah. But Ole Yishalayim, when it comes to Ole Yishalayim, Yisrael mitzvim ve'oisim, kusim mitzvim ve'einan oisin. And so you have to be mitzvah ve'oisim. When it comes to Ole Yishalayim, the Jews, just like with Shabbos, they are mitzvah, and they in fact do it. Whereas the kusim, even though they're commanded, that wasn't something that they were into. They didn't. They didn't pick that up. Um, yeah, they didn't really like the the uh, the base of Mikdash that much. They had their own thing on Har Grizim, according to the Rush. Kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. So now the next Mishnah. Okay. So if the language of your thing is you don't want to have anything to do with Menachem, so Mutter be Yisrael v'Asher b'Av de Kachavim. 
<coughs> your mutter to do business with Israel, but not with over the Kachavim. So the Gemara is going to ask, what do you mean? Israel, me, Nafik, me, Kalb, You said, Bnei Nach. Well, we're all Bnei Noach, right? Don't forget, Andrew. Hashem did a restart on the whole world, and it all started again from Noach. So there isn't anybody on this planet that's not descended from Noach. So why would you be Mutter Bisrael? Says the Gemara. That's interesting, right? That once Avram Avinu was singled out from the rest of humanity, so now the Jews are not um, traced back to Noach, even though biologically we are, but our starting point is Avram Avinu. Isn't that amazing? So when you say Bnei Noach, right, when we say Shevet Mitzvah Bnei Noach, we're not referring to ourselves, obviously, right? We're referring to the non-Jews. Okay. And then, next Mishnah. She'eni nena Zera Avraham. I don't want to have any enough from anybody from Zera Avraham. Asr Bisrael and of the Kachavim. That would make sense, right? You're Asr Bisrael. But you've been muttered all of the Kachavim. But that's what I was going to ask. All of the Kachavim? Vayikai Shmael. Don't forget. Right? The, um, that Avram didn't only have uh, Yitzchak. So when you say you don't want to have any enough from Zeravam, maybe you should be able to not, maybe you shouldn't be able to have enough from Arabs either. So says the Gemara, This is in Vayera. Hashem's talking to Avram. He said, listen to Sarah. You know, Avram was very, this is one of his nisyonos. He did not, it was very against his nature to, to banish his son Ishmael. And so Hashem says, listen, listen to Sarah, because your Zerah will be in Yitzchak, not in Ishmael. Right? So, okay, but then wait a minute. So then he had Yitzchak, and then Yitzchak had Esav and Yaakov. These are all these parshas that we're reading now. Kind of a dafyomi coincidence. So Esav is also, so maybe all Americans or whatever, Edom, uh, should be considered... Uh, when you say, I don't want to have anything with Zeravam, says the Gemara, Be Yitzchak, Veloko Yitzchak. When you say within Yitzchak, doesn't mean all of Yitzchak. It's a whole, you have to listen to Rabbi David Katz. This week he has a podcast about why is it that it was built in sibling rivalry into the Bria over here, right? Uh, Ishmael and Yitzchak, Yaakov and Esav. Okay, be that as may, Be Yitzchak means such that when you say Zeravam, I once heard Rabbi Yonas and Sachs talk about this, that the Zerah Avram, how that bracha of the Zerah Avram is really going through the Avos, not through anyone else. So even though biologically Avram was Avamon Goyim, there's a Zerah Avram, that's a different thing in the bracha. Okay, so now we're exactly where we picked up yesterday, Goran, that's when we learned. She'eni nenin Yisrael. The Mishnah on Lamed Aleph, Lamed Aleph, uh, a little more than halfway down. to say goodbye to Andrew, we got right? Yeah, she'eni nenem Yisrael. A person... 31A? 31A. person makes a swear like this. I make... Oh, okay. I swear off all Jews. I don't want to have any business with Jews anymore. Okay. Are you allowed so, to do that? Are you allowed to do that? So... <laughs> so, look at this, Andrew. Kosher money. Lokech b'yoyser u'mocher b'pachos. Yeah. Let's say you swear off. You're not interested in doing business with Jews anymore because you feel like you're always getting ripped off. Okay. So, guess what? You can still do commerce with them, but you're going to have to take in more and sell it less. In other words, you can do what most Jews would never do, buy retail, right, and sell wholesale. <laughs> you could do that because then you're losing money. So as long as you're not, as long as you're losing money, you're not getting any financial benefit. And that you're allowed to do because that you didn't swear off interacting with them. You just swore off getting any financial benefit for them. 
So that you could do. She's Israel then in, uh, but if you make, okay, so that's one case. However, if you say, she's Israel then in Lee, right? I am making a nether that no Jews can benefit from me. So then you can lokech b'falkos and mocher b'yoser. Okay, so then you can rip them off if you want. You could buy wholesale and sell retail. However, ve'en shomim lo. No Jews are going to go for it. <laughs> you could try. In other words, halachically, with respect to the nether, you could try to do that. But uh, good luck with that. Uh, you know, in Israel especially, it's never going to work because what are they going to say to you? Mani, frayel. Right? That's what Israelis say when they think you're ripping them off. What if you say, I don't want to have anything to do, enough from them. I don't want to have them to have any enough from me. So then, so then what can I tell you? So then it's like, no, you can't win, right? You can't overcharge, you can't undercharge. So then you're better off just doing commerce with, not, with Gentiles at that point because you can't do it. If you live in Israel, you're deriving benefit from the electricity from them. That's a great point. One second. You can't do business with them at any price. Right. So I don't know. That's a good question. Granos wants to know. You know, like some people, Dafka in Israel. I know people who don't use electricity unless they have their own generator because it's like Jews working on Shabbos. There's other things that Jews are doing. Presumably, when he said when he talks about this Hana, he's talking about business benefit, right? Financial benefit. Be that as it may, Amar Shmuel, an unbelievable thing. This is going to end up being relevant to our Mishnah of getting financial benefit. How, how does this work like this? As follows. This is a daf yomi coincidence. Why? Because my son, Zalmi, right. is looking to get uh, engaged today. Do you know that, Andrew? He's looking to get engaged today. So it should go well, Zalmi. Good luck, Zalmi. Here's the thing. So there's this guy, Ian Saunders, who sells rings. He sells jewelry. He's a very nice guy. He's a, he grew up in Woodside, with, uh, and so we know him. And so he buys the ring. He already, so he gets the ring from Ian Saunders. And he says to Ian like this, I would like this engagement ring. I'm going to go propose. Okay? When I propose, now one of two things can happen. She could say yes or she could say no. If she says no, what am I going to do with the ring, Andrew? So he says to Ian Saunders, I'll give, you, I'll give the ring back to you. Okay, I'll give the ring back to you if she says no. Now, the question is like this, okay? So, if he's at Ian Saunders' store and he's picking out the ring at that time. Let's say the woman takes the <clears throat> ring and says, I don't want to marry you, I'll take the ring. No, 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 we're not, we're not going to talk about crazy cases. Normally we would, but we only have, we have like 15 less minutes than usual, but that is a crazy case, you're right. There's a lot of cases around here that you'd have to analyze, that's true. But in this case, so first... First, we'll take it slow. First, Zalmi's examining the ring at, at his store. So he's in the jewelry store and he's inspecting the ring. Bananas biyadu. And all of a sudden, it falls out of his hand right into the sewer below. There's no retrieving it. So who would be, so says the Gemara Chayev. What, what does Zalmi have to do? Listen, he's responsible to give Saunders to pay for the ring, right? The ring is irretrievable. Says the Gemara, Alma kasavar hanas lokehi. Okay. That seems to mean that Shmuel holds that the Hanas Lokehi, there's a whole Torah here as follows. That the question is like this. Hanas Lokehi means like this. We talked about Shomer Sachar, Shomer Chinam, and a Shoel. Okay? Uh, without getting into all of that sugya, 
what is Zami's status with respect to the ring when he's holding it? Is he a shomer? Is he a custodian of that ring? Is he borrowing the ring? Now, when you borrow, you have the highest degree of responsibility for the ring. Why? Because it's called hanas, right? Lokeach. He has all the benefits. When you borrow, you get all the benefits and you're not really, it's all gravy, baby. It's all uh, benefit in the sense that this isn't the burden on you. You're borrowing it and you're getting all the benefit of the thing. You're borrowing it for a reason, right? Like if somebody asks you to watch a ring, that's a responsibility, right? And you're not getting anything out of it, right? You're not getting any benefit out of it. All you're getting is the responsibility and therefore your, your culpability now, it would matter whether you're getting paid to watch it or not. That's true, right? We've already discussed that to some degree, and we will be discussing it way more when we get to Nazikin. But the point is that a shomer isn't really getting any benefit. He's doing a service, and therefore he actually has less culpability. Whereas if a borrower is getting a real-time benefit. So what are you considered in the store when you're examining this ring? Are you considered a borrower, or are you considered a a custodian of it. And the answer is, the fact that Shemuel holds that you're chayiv means that you are a borrower. Because were you to be a shomer chinam, right, or some sort of custodian, you wouldn't be responsible for an onus. You wouldn't be responsible for like a hurricane coming and blowing it away. But since you're responsible, that's a sign that you're considered a borrower, you're getting all the benefit, and therefore, for that reason, you're going to be chayiv. Okay, fine. So now it's not. Now let's bring it back to our Mishnah. Remember, in our Mishnah, you swore off all Hana. So what happens? He says, Right? In other words, in our Mishnah, we said that if you swear off, right, any Hana from uh, Israel, so then you could at least sell it for less than its value because then you're not going to get any Hana, right? Because you're selling it at wholesale and you're losing your money. But what about if it was equal, right? You bought it for $10 and you're selling it for $10. So we say that's, that he's not permitted to do. In other words, we were told you're only allowed to sell it at a loss, which means that you're not allowed to sell it at break-even. Okay, why not? Says the Gemara, If, in fact, the sale is, the, is for the benefit of the buyer, right? So then even, right, at... At, at Shavu B'Shavu, you should be allowed to sell. Why? Because, again, the buyer is Zalmi, let's say, in the store. So it's going to be even-even. Let's say he's doing, because Ian Saunders gives great, great, great prices. So Ian's, like, for whatever reason, not making any profit. He's selling it the exact amount that, he, that, he, that it was worth, so, that, that he bought it for, as it were. So if he's selling it for that exact amount, we're saying the Hana is still Zalmi's. Right, because he, as evidenced by the fact that he would be responsible were it to fall. So the so so the fact of the matter is, if you're saying right, right, so then he shouldn't even be able right to sell it for the same amount. Okay, so the Gemara answers. No, we're talking about merchandise that's a great demand, and therefore, even though you're not making a profit. The merchandise is in such uh, demand. I'm sorry. Dirami alapay. Dirme alapay. The exact opposite. Merchandise that it's not in demand at all. You have an oversupply of it, right? You have um, or whatever. You, you, you bought a million fidget spinners, right, when they were cool. And then now nobody cares about fidget spinners or soon Crocs again or whatever it is. And now you have this massive inventory and nobody's buying it. 
So for there, just to clear the inventory is on, uh, even though you're not making any money, at least somebody is buying it, you're getting foot traffic through the door. There are other benefits sometimes where you can make like a great Black Friday sale where you're not making any money, but you're getting people through the door. And, you know, that's a Dafyomi coincidence. And therefore, you are actually clearing inventory. So there is scenarios where you're going to make money on that. So Im Kane says the Gemara, well, what about if he buys it at a higher value? Right? Maybe he'd rather even sell it as a loss if he's trying to clear out inventory. And, and by the way, we said in the Seifa that if you swear off other people, other Jews having a nav from you, then you can actually, in that case, you could do the opposite and sell it at retail. And in that case, you're saying if, the, if that part of the mission is dealing with merchandise that's in low demand and therefore, right, clogging up your storehouse, so then even, he should even be able to sell it not only, right, at, uh, at a loss, but he should be able to sell it at even. So the Gemara Seifa Bizvina Kharifa. Now, the first part was talking about when you are actually, it's in low demand, but the second part is Bizvina Kharifa, merchandise in high demand, like Black Friday, and therefore, in that case, right, you, you, there is no benefit if it's in high demand, there is no benefit in clearing out at zero. So the Gemara says, the Gemara is keep, keep kicking this around. Right, so if, that ca- if that's the case, so then if it's high demand, so then why would the Mishnah say that he could buy it at wholesale? He should be even be, be able to buy it at Shavu Shavu. Ella says the Gemara's return to Lamed Aleph Amad Beis. Masnisen bezvina mitzo shmuel bezvina charifa. Okay, now our, uh, our Mishnah is talking about Totally moderate, regular demand. It's not in high demand. It's not and, and flying off the shelves, but it's not in low demand and getting backed up on the shelves. The whole thing is talking about the first part of the mission is talking about is moderate demand, and Shemuel is talking about when it's in high demand. Okay, so you're right. The summer, the summary there will be basically like this: that uh, the summary there would be. That basically, at the end of the day, Andrew, right? Andrew. Andrew. At the end of the day, right? Anytime, anytime you're at a loss, right, then that's considered that you're not getting hana. Like, in other words, if you're taking a loss, that's never going to be hana. It's only when everything is in moderate demand and you really need to clear it out that we would consider it any, any financial benefit at all. But in any other case, if you're either taking a loss or... Right, so, so, so again, the only case where the inventory and the demand matters is it's a break-even. That's all, that's what our mission is saying here now. That when you're at break-even, then maybe then you'd break-even just and you'd sell it just to, just, and you'd still be getting hana if you needed to clear out merchandise. So if you're doing like a chart, you're saying, what's the case where you're getting hana and you're not making money? The only case is where you're selling it at break-even point and it's in very high demand. Every other case, it just has to do with whether you're netting money or losing money, and now it determine whether you're making a not, which would be relevant as to whether you swore off a not or not. Okay. Now that we've discussed that, we have a Bryce that supports Shmuel that has more to do with Zalmi as follows. Tanya can say to Shmuel, So now we really got the case of engagement. So now, Andrew, Zalmi's leaving the store. He took the Kalim, he took the, the ring, let's say, from Ian Saunders, and, he, and, he's, and he's going over to, to the Kala, Andrew. This is a very nerve-wracking uh, time. 
You don't know what he's going to say. So he says to the jeweler, Yeah, if she says yes, and she takes the ring, I'll pay you for the ring. And if, and if not, right, if, they, if she says no, then what am I going to do with this ring? But I'll give you the tovas What's the tovas Like, I'll pay you, um, for example, if, if um, Mom Sean feels bad for me that her daughter said no, I'm gonna, maybe she'll make me like a lasagna and I'll pay you for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll pay you a minimal amount. But be that as it may, I'm not going to pay you for the ring. I'll just bring the ring back. So now, Andrew, here we go. He's going to go with the ring and he's going to go with the ring back. An unbelievable lacha. What in the world is going on? So it's like this. You would say like this, Andrew. Let's say, right, so he's going back and forth. The ring flies away, right, and disappears down the sewers. So, does it, so you would say, what does he have to do? He has to reimburse Ian Saunders. What do you mean? He took the ring, right? He didn't buy it. It was conditional. But on the other hand, What's the story? Says the Brisa in support of Shmuel. On the way there, there's a distinction. You would think that even if on the way back he lost it, he'd have to reimburse Ian Saunders for it. But check this out. On, this is why it supports Shmuel. On the way there, he's like a borrower, right? Because he's getting the Hana. He's about to use this ring. As far as he's concerned, he thinks she's going to say yes, and he's going to give it to her. On the way back, however, now she said no. He's dejected. He's rejected. He's depressed. And now this ring is just a burden, right? He's not going to get any hand off from it. Now he becomes a shomer. Unbelievable. At that point, he's a shomer. And he has treated like a shomer sachar. That in itself is interesting because he's not necessarily getting paid for it. But he's considered, like, as it says, Mipneshu can no say sachar. He's treated like a shomer sachar. A shomer sachar, right? And again, since he already had all the benefit, now he, he has... The right, he, it, it's implied that he took on, as the Ron explains, the the uh, the achrayas of Hashem Sachar. On the way back, if he loses the ring, he doesn't have to pay back Ian Saunders. That's the chiddush. You say, what do you mean? From Ian's perspective, it doesn't matter. But from perspective of Zalmi, on the way back, he's just a burden. That's the agreement. The agreement was, I'll be a borrower until uh, until I get to the kala. If she rejects me, I become a shomer of your stuff and I'll bring it back. Well, guess what? Of course, for, you know, Gneva and Aveda and all these things, if he was somewhat negligent, what? Yeah, so you'd have, right. So for that, he'd have to be responsible for that. But I'm saying total honest, like a hurricane comes and blows it away. So on the way there, he'd be chayev, Zami would. On the way back, he would not. Amazing. Or a similar story to that effect. There is like a middleman. He took a, a uh, donkey to sell on, on consignment. Okay, but it didn't sell. So what's consignment? Consignment works like this. It doesn't always work like this, but this is what consignment means in this case. What, what it means is, right, it's like Moshe Shulman, the third party, uh, Bright Life in, in Passaic. They take the car and they say, I'm going to try to sell this car for you. I'm going to lease this car for you. If it leases, so then it, leases, then it leases and I get a certain amount of money. If it doesn't lease, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to give back to you the dealer. So over there, so it says over there, behadeh the other itnis chamra. As, so, so Shulman has the car in his inventory in his parking lot and it doesn't sell. 
on the way back, this actually, Maisa Shahaya, it was Moshe Lavi's car that I leased for him. On his way back to returning the car to the dealer, uh, Moshe Shulman got, um, it was actually his brother Mayer, the car got totaled. So now who's responsible? So Chayve, Rav Nachman Lashlume, right? In that case, he obligated Moshe Shulman, who's the third party car leaser, to pay. Why? Because, because we say, well, so why do we say that? So Israel Rav Nachman, wait, why are you paying on the way back? Didn't we just learn that on the way back he becomes a shomer and he wouldn't be chayav on a nonus? He, he was just getting gas, he claims. And some guy just came and rammed into him. There was nothing he could do to stop that. So he says, no. So, so he says, so Eisvei Ravala Rav Nachman, Nensu Balicha Chayi Bechazar Potter. Didn't we just say, according to Shmuel, that on, on the way to sell it, so then, so then the car dealer, right, third party car dealer would be chayav. But on the way to return it, he should be Potter, because then he's just a shomer of the car. He wasn't going to lease his car. He wasn't going to get any benefit from it. In our particular case, it was after we'd already returned the car at the end of the lease. But you get the point. It's the end of the lease. We return the car. And on his way to returning the car to the original dealer, one of these uh, Stelzi's third-party guys was, was returning it, and the car got totaled. Now, whose fault is it? This, this put me in a financial bind for about a year and a half, Andrew. But that's not because at the end, because he didn't pay for it. But that's not the point that we're saying here now. The point we're saying here now is why was he even responsible? That's what he was saying. So the answer is, Yeah, the reason why that middleman is chayev is because if, let's say, he had found somebody on his drive back, right? somebody came over to his gas station and said, is that car for lease and, and, and wanted to lease it, would he not have sold it? In other words, until he returns it back to the dealership and you get like a signed thing that it's back to the dealership, it's always in play. And for that reason, he is, has the same status on the way there and on the way back. So we've learned something fascinating by Kosher Mani about the status of, right, the status of the, the borrower and the Shomer um, with respect to whether it's or not. Okay, so now we have four minutes. So Konam Shani Nena So just now, now the rest is just terms. Person say, I don't want, um, have any enough from Arelim. So Mutabe Arle Yisrael. Turns out it's not a biological thing, and orla is you're uncircumcised. But you don't really mean when you say arelim, you don't mean uncircumcised. You mean Gentiles, right? So So you mean Gentiles, which means even if somebody for whatever reason didn't have a bris and he's Jewish, you're going to be mutter because that's not what you meant. And if somebody happened to have had a bris but he's not Jewish, so then you're still going to be usher because when you said arelim, you really meant Gentiles. But what if you said that I can have benefit from those that are circumcised? So now you really making it on the Mila itself. So then he's going to be also by early Israel. So then if it happens to be a Jew without a Mila, he's going to be also. And if a circumcised Gentile is there, you're going to be Mutter. Because when you say you mean Gentiles. Because the Pasuk says in Yermia, right, that the nations are Arelim. So Goyim, you say Arelim, you mean Goyim. Right? And so too David in Shmuel Aleph. He was referring to Goliath. He said, look at this Arel Plishti. He didn't mean they didn't have a bris. How would he even know? No, he meant that he's a Gentile. But Oimer, and also another Pasuk in Shmuel Base, Right? You don't want them to be able to rejoice. And there again, Arelim was referring to Goyim. And by the way, the Orla is repulsive. She needs Ganuba Rishayim. Yeah, the aforementioned Pasuk in Yirmiah is saying Goyim Arelim. It's, it's derogatory terms. 
I have friends who don't like to say the word Goyim because they say it's derogatory. Says the Mishnah, yeah, it's derogatory. That's right. Goyim Arelim. These are all derogatory terms. It's, it's Maos. Okay. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Gedola Mila. And now the rest of the, of the daf really is going to be talking about how great the mitzvah of Bris Mila is. Gedola Mila. Shanichus Olei Shloshesoy Brisos. Rabbi Yosef Omer, Gedola Mila. Shadoches HaShabbos Chamura. So Rabbi Shmuel said it's great because it, there was 13 times in the Torah where the word Bris is associated uh, with Mila, and therefore it's, it's an amazing thing. Rabbi Yossi says, it's Docha Shabbos. That's amazing, right? Shabbos is Chamer, has many restrictions, and yet you could do a bris Mila bisman on Shabbos. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, which is going to be the topic of, our, of the Gemara, he says, it's amazing, Moshe Rabbeinu is a big tzaddik, and yet he almost got in trouble for an hour of delay of Mila, which we'll discuss. Mila is unbelievable because usually when you have tzaras, you can't just get rid of that by slicing it off, Andrew. You, that's an iser. However, if you have a tzaras on your orla, you can do that. You could still do the bris mila. You're not going to say, you know, on a baby, obviously, or whatever, anybody who needs mila. You, that's not, you're going to allow you to do it, as we've learned in the past already, in Mesech Shabbos, etc. Rebbe Omer, Gedola Mila, Shekola Mitzvah, Shasa Avram, Mivinu, Every mitzvah that Avram did, he was not considered complete until he did a mila. Shanamai, Yisalach, Lafana, Ve'yesamim. Yeah. That afterwards, yes, something after you do the bris mila, walk in front of me. Then, after you do the bris mila, you're considered complete. And If it weren't for the midst of bris mila, Baruch Hu wouldn't have even bothered to create the world. If, right, Hashem says, if not for my bris, I would not have established the heaven and the earth. So just, we have a half a minute. Literally says, Hashem wanted to kill him. So, uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do the Mila. He would never have not done the Mila. He knows from Shimon and Levi and Shechem already that on the third day, it's very dangerous for the baby. So what? Hashem told Moshe to be the savior of the Jews. I'm gonna, that's also a mitzvah. I'm gonna delay that mitzvah three days. He said, go save the Jews. Pick up tomorrow for why Moshe Rabbeinu had to delay the Mila.